I get, I get what St. Paul was saying and was feeling in our second reading. He says, For many, as I have often told you, and now tell you even in tears, conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. I know that very often in my preaching I can come off as pessimistic about the world. I don't have a lot of great things to say about the way American society is going today in a lot of different ways. And that absolutely comes through in my preaching over and over and over again. But that's because I just, I, I feel very deeply, and like St. Paul, I, I now tell you, even in tears, I, I beg you to realize that there are forces in this world that want to destroy your faith. There are forces in this world that want to bring you away from Jesus, sometimes voluntarily, sometimes involuntarily. But they are trying to tear you away from the Lord. What are those forces? Well, St. Paul says that they conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. We'll come back to that phrase at the end of the homily. I think it's an important one to analyze. But what does he say? He says their end is destruction. So these folks, again, voluntarily, involuntarily, whatever's going on, but they are living a life that is not going to end well, that is not going to end in happiness, that's not going to bring anybody any kind of fulfillment. And what does St. Paul say specifically? He says their God is their stomach. Now these are those same four temptations to false happiness that I talked about on Ash Wednesday that I talk about regularly. Their God is their stomach, is pleasure, and it's wealth. So many of us are tempted to live from our stomach, from the desire to be comfortable, the desire to have pleasure. Our entire society is built on this idea. I am always floored how brutally honest we are in November and December when we say, well, the retail sector has to make this much money, otherwise our country will utterly collapse. I'm like, that's insane. Our entire country is built on the fact that we need people to buy more things over and over and over again. Otherwise, our entire country will collapse. That's consumerism at the very foundation of our economy. That's living from our stomach. It's this desire for pleasure, this desire for wealth, that I should always have more and more things, that I should always live at a height of comfort. But the end of that attitude is destruction. The end of that attitude is not happiness. It's not fulfillment. It's being torn away from Jesus by the idols of pleasure and wealth. What's the next thing that St. Paul says? Their glory is in their shame. This is the temptation to glory, or as we might say today, the temptation to fame. Again, how many of our young people, when we ask what they want to be when they grow up, say famous? I want to be famous. A famous athlete, a famous celebrity, a TikTok influencer, whatever these things are, right? I want to be famous. That's the temptation to fame. But how do you get famous today? How do people become celebrities? What is the thing that puts them on our screens or has them featured in the nightly news? It's because they continue to push the boundaries as best as they can to do something controversial, something that nobody has done before so that people will notice them. Their glory is their shame. They're not doing things that 
are necessarily admirable. They're not getting on the nightly news because they've done something that everybody celebrates. Sometimes, sometimes it's charitable work, and we should absolutely commend them for that. But a lot of times it's, well, this person is mired in controversy because they intentionally seek out shameful activities so that they can get our attention. Their end is destruction. That life does not end in happiness. It does not end in fulfillment. And then finally, St. Paul says, their minds are occupied with earthly things. This is the temptation to power. Our minds are occupied with earthly things. It is good and appropriate and commendable and required that we should love our neighbor. Obviously, we have to care about things in this world because in this world is where people live. The people I have to love and take care of live here and now. When St. Paul says that their minds are occupied with earthly things, we're talking about our minds terminate with earthly things. That the thing that becomes our God, the thing that we worship more than anything else, is the concerns of this world which is passing away. The number of people, I should say, when we see people walk away from religion today, and there are so many people who walk away from religion, everybody needs a God. Everybody worships something. Everybody has something that's the center of their lives. When I see people walk away from religion, almost without question, people who have a good heart, who walk away from religion and still want to care about other people, politics becomes their God. They say, well, if I want to care about people, the only way I can do that is through political activism. It's through constantly posting on Facebook about whatever political thing is coming up. It's about, you know, constantly being involved in this movement or that movement or this other movement. Again, we want to love our neighbor and that's fine, but if our mind terminates with earthly things, if we think that earthly politics is the end-all and be-all of loving our neighbor, our end is destruction. We are constantly tempted away from the Lord by power, pleasure, wealth, and honor. Constantly brought away from our faith by these temptations to false happiness. St. Paul is so clear that the end of this is destruction. And I beg you, like he begs you, with tears in my eyes that we should resist this. Because it brings so many people away from Jesus. It destroys so many lives. Instead, St. Paul says... But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we also await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To live in this world, we need to worry about things like the money in our bank account. We need to worry about putting food on the table. We need to worry about certain secular policies, right? We need to worry about these things. They're, they're part of living in this world. But a Christian must remember that our citizenship is not in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. When we were baptized in that baptismal font, we were made adopted sons and daughters of God. We were made citizens of heaven. And while we continue to live in this world and have to worry about certain concerns of this world, our hearts, our minds, our lives, our citizenship must be with the concerns of the Lord. They must be with Jesus Christ. That's where our true identity is found. Which is not to say we're living for the day of our death. When Christians talk about living for heaven, there's often this idea of, I just need to endure until I die, and then I can start to live. That's not what we mean. Your citizenship in heaven began on the day of your baptism. 
You live in this world as a citizen of heaven, which means that your fulfillment in this world comes from concern for heavenly things, concerns for the will of the Lord, concerns for the doctrines of the faith. Your fulfillment comes from that even while you live here. And you will be fulfilled in this world insofar as your concerns remain heavenly. Where does St. Peter go wrong in our gospel? I like the line right before he speaks. It says, As they were about to part from him, Peter said to Jesus, As Moses and Elijah were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. It's not that Peter doesn't love Jesus. It's not that Peter isn't excited about Moses and Elijah. But Peter is threatened by the fact that there might be a change. He has experienced something good and beautiful and wonderful. And he says, I don't want it to go away. They're about to go away. If I build these tents, maybe they'll stay. Maybe this doesn't have to end. This is our temptation with this world. We know this world. Many of us in this church have built a comfortable life in this world. We're happy with the things that we have. We're happy with the experiences that we live. We don't want it to go away. And so we build tents. And we say, I'm going to build all of these structures so that nothing here is threatened. But we're building tents in a world that is going to pass away. We're building tents that are going to preserve something that is already flawed and dying. Our citizenship is in heaven. As the Father says, this is my chosen Son. Listen to him. Our job is not to build tents. Our job is not to preserve what we have. Our job is to listen to Jesus to live the life that Jesus has won us to live. And a lot of times, that life, that will of the Lord, looks like the cross. It's that line of St. Paul that I said we would revisit. And now I tell you even in tears, for many as I have often told you and now tell you even in tears, conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. You don't see as many people acting as enemies of Christ. It's not an easy thing necessarily to believe that God loves you, but it's an attractive idea. It is nice to believe that God loves you. It's nice to believe that God is going to bring you to heaven. Those are ideas that nobody really opposes today. Even those who have abandoned Christianity, they will, who are spiritual and not religious, well, they'll say, yeah, God loves everybody and everybody's going to end up in heaven. That's called um, universalism, by the way. That idea is nice. What's not nice about Christianity is the idea of the cross. And this is an idea that many people gloss over. And that's why St. Paul says that they conduct themselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemies of the cross of Christ. It's fine to say that God loves us. It's fine to say we're all going to go to heaven. It's not fine to say God is going to call you to suffering. He is going to ask you to do something difficult. He is going to bring you to a place where you are not comfortable. You are not necessarily wealthy or powerful or well-respected. That's what the cross looks like. On the cross, Jesus was stripped of everything, especially his dignity and certainly his life. If we're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, if we're going to listen to him, 
we're listening to a message that includes the cross. And that's what these enemies of the faith are calling us to. They're telling us, no, no, don't listen to the cross. Don't look at suffering. Your life will be fulfilled if you're just comfortable, if you're just wealthy, if you're just famous, if you're just powerful. That's where your life is going to be fulfilled. Ignore the cross. Don't look at it. Ignore it. Run from its shame. That's what an enemy of the cross of Christ looks like. Anyone who would ever tempt you to think in that way. The gospel, the message that we preach here in the church, is that all of us, if we follow Christ, are going to suffer. But that suffering is salvific. During Lent, we do things called penances. Penances are voluntary suffering because, again, many of us have come to a place where we're comfortable. We have enough in our bank account. We have enough on our table. And we give thanks to God for that. So we take upon ourselves voluntary suffering as a reminder that all of us who follow Christ are called to the cross. We say, you know what? If the cross hasn't been given to me by my life circumstances, I'm going to take upon myself the cross of fasting or almsgiving or additional prayer time or service to the marginalized and the poor. I'm going to take upon myself the suffering of giving up something that I like so that I can remind myself that I don't live for this world. My mind is not centered on earthly things, but instead I am called to be a citizen of heaven, a citizen of the one who died on the cross. When we enter voluntarily into the suffering of Jesus, we remind ourselves our happiness is not found here. Our happiness is found in him, in every word that comes from the mouth of God. If we listen to him, if we follow him wherever he calls us, even to suffering, we will be happy and we will be fulfilled. 